Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hello. What's up? Not much. Oh my God. I was going to tell you because I listened to the uh, turning 40 episode. Yeah. Um, It was so funny and good. Remember we like, we recorded it and I was like, this may not make it to the airways, (laughs) but it was so funny. It was good. It was really good. And it just brought me back to having our little girls weekend. I know we need to do that at least once a quarter, just leave the dudes behind. Yes, we do. We do. I know. How are you feeling? Are you feeling um, recovered from your 40th? That was really fun. Yeah. We like, after you guys, we had that, uh, talk with the the 40th episode episode where Jill and I went out the following weekend, we had another birthday party, which was so fun. It was such a big surprise. Did you know about this surprise? You know, about the comedian? Yeah, I know. I didn't know who knew. So, uh, my boyfriend rented out this restaurant and, I was so overwhelmed, I think, because that week was really hard with my mom Mm. and some stuff had happened in the daytime with my mom. And so I walked in and I like nearly lost it. I was hugging people and crying Um, just so because why you because we're like, oh, I get to like relax for a second. Like it felt like a little escapism or what? Uh, Or just like you were just overwhelmed that people cared about you. (laughs) Yeah, I just felt really overwhelmed with like love and gratitude. And even though I knew people were going to be there, I didn't know who and. I think I was just already so emotional that it just was like, uh, it just felt good. It felt really yep. good. And it was then so uh, we, I didn't really know what's happening. I just thought we were eating dinner. And then I guess I wasn't supposed to see him. He was supposed to be hiding, but I saw, I looked over to the right and I saw this comedian that Jeff and I had seen uh, twice in Vegas. And I was like, oh my God, that's him. So it was really cool. We basically had a private private comedy show which was super super fun it was so fun yeah and then, and then we and then they played like early 2000s and 90s hip-hop and it was the best dance party ever <laughs> it was super fun yeah Jeff he uh he did a great job he did do shout a out good Jeff job. <laughs> so I'm then after that I was like oh I'm so excited for Jill's next I'm like all right I got some ideas now <laughs> believe me I've been excited about my shit for like the last six months <laughs> I'm like all right we got to make it big we got to make it epic um so and I just listened to the the episode with Danny Coleman and I'm also so excited about that wedding Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We have so much to look forward to this. We really do. 2021. I could tell we're turning around. I know. Turn this ship around. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) So we got this um, DM and Instagram literally today. And I thought this was so perfect. Um, A woman wrote in and just said, how long after your breakups did you feel human again? It's been since October and I still feel wonky, mad, awful. And I was like, uh, that's not a long time, right? (laughs) Since October, I'm going, okay, this is only March. And I thought it would just be great to talk about how long does it take to heal in general? Because if y'all don't know, Jill got her first injury 
I mean, in my mind, her first real injury got her arm ripped off uh, snowboarding. (laughs) She had a one-on-one with the tree. Tell us what happened exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone, people get injuries all the time. And so I'm like trying not to make like a super big deal of it, but a lot of people have been reaching out and saying they also dislocated their shoulders. So anyway, last week, um, like sort of last minute, Keith and I decided to head up to Mammoth. They were supposed to get some snow. I was like, cool, let's just clear our schedule for the, the couple days. We went up. First day was awesome. Like total powder. If you guys are like skiers or snowboarders, you know what that's like. Next day we went out, we're going to just do a half day because Keith had to be back later that day. So we we're going to just board to like noon. So I've been practicing and you guys, if you've been, <laughs> I think we've talked about this for a while now. I started in 2018, started snowboarding and it's been like a progression over the last couple of years. It's obviously starting a new skill or a new hobby later in life sometimes is a little bit hard, especially physical things because we're a lot more scared and you know, all those kind of things. Um, but like the very first year, I think I went like 30 times. So within that season, I had gotten a lot better really quickly. And then last year was a little bit wonky with COVID. And then this year we've been a bunch. And so I've been practicing every time trying to do different types of things, maybe go a little faster, maybe stop a little bit faster, like different terrain. So I've been practicing going through the trees. And if you guys like have ever been on a mountain, like, you know, it's, you have to be able to stop soon and go through like more narrow places. And it's kind of scary, but so up until this point, I had been just going, if I could just see where I could go into the trees and also where I could go out of the trees, I was going to do those. But I started going in and like, I don't know where I'm going to go. Keith wasn't with me. He was doing something that was a lot harder, like a double black diamond or something. So I was by myself and I went into these trees and it was going pretty well. And obviously it was going really well because I was not I didn't run into anything. And then I saw this one section. It was like a narrow section between a couple of trees. And I was like, ah, I could probably make that. Tried to turn quickly, ended up sliding out um, and hitting. There was two trees. One was a big tree. One was a little tree hitting the big tree with the back of my shoulder, my oh shoulder dislocated. And then I actually broke the small tree. (laughs) Literally, I went flying through the small tree, broke it in half, broke my jacket zipper in half. Like literally my, my jacket is wide open. There's snow all over my chest and I don't know. And there's no one around. Like I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so luckily Keith and I can see each other. We have a map, like a virtual map so we can see where each other is. So I called him and he was already down, uh, like sort of mid mid mountain. And I was like, he was like, where are you? I'm like, I don't know. Look at the map. <laughs> and then the idea of him, like it was probably gonna take him like 20, 30 minutes to like hike up to me. And my hand was frozen because I had it out of my gloves and it's snowing and I'm trying to call him. And I was like, fuck it. I literally just like was like, all right, I don't know what's wrong. Something is wrong. I checked my collarbone. I was like, okay, the collarbone's still there. So it wasn't that because <laughs> for you guys who don't know, snowboarders get a lot of shoulder injuries because yeah. their feet are attached to the board to unlike skiers where they get a lot of knee stuff. Uh, snowboard is always shoulder stuff. Mm-hmm. And so my, my collarbone was there and I'm like, this feels like it's out of, so I called him and I'm like, it's dislocated. I literally boarded down like out of the trees and boarded like a half mile down with like my arm, like dangling off my body. I don't even know how you got up. <laughs> also, it was very hard. I was sweating. I'm terrified. I can't even believe you go in the trees because ever since what I think Sonny Bono died hitting a tree and like a Kennedy died hitting a tree. I was like, I just don't fuck with trees. I mean, I wasn't, that's the thing is I wasn't going like super fast. Cause here's the thing is like, it's problem solving when you're in the middle of trees, you're not like just bombing through them. Like, yeah. unless it's really wide, but there, you know, it gets narrower and you slow down and you kind of go, okay, like, how can I, how can I make yeah. my way through these? So it was like, not that I was actually at a stop when I picked back up and I just happened to slide out. So anyway, long story short, when I got to Keith, he 
popped it back into place. He goes, do you want me to try and pop it back uh, into place? And I was like, yes. Uh, Second, and so he was able to do it fairly easily because that's where your shoulder wants to go. Yeah. Um, immediate relief. Like I could feel my hand again. Cause I had been like the, the nerves had been cut off. So I couldn't even feel my hand. And then once it was popped in back into place, it was like relief. And then we just boarded down to the bottom. Cause I was just like, let's talk to a medic and see what we need to do. So she put me in a sling and then that was the end of the day. So, um, all in all, like it wasn't really painful. Everyone's like, is it pain? It's not painful. It's really just, um, it's inflamed. It goes into inflammation. Right. So it's yeah. just, it's, it gets really stiff and whatever. And then I had a sling on and then, um, basically I've just been doing some rehab this last week and taking a bunch of collagen and, you know, still trying to exercise my lower body to get some blood flow to the area. And I've been doing PT with the maestro and, I mean, it's still not like, yeah. it's definitely not even close to hundred percent, but, but I DM Jill and she's like, I haven't even taken any pain medication. <laughs> and literally we went snowboarding like four weeks ago and I took pain medicine for like five days, just from normal falling <laughs> soreness. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you're such a superhero. It's you, just all mental, man. I mean, it, it's funny because no, I'm getting, it's not I, fucking mental. <laughs> it is not fucking mental because this shit, I was like, come on, get out of bed. No, my body was like, fuck. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because everyone, I mean, it's really sweet, but people want to DM you and, and say that they're like, either they've had it something before or whatever. And they want to kind of like, you know, commiserate, right. You know, and, and that's great. And I always feel like really like sweet that people take their time, but also I'm getting a lot of people who think they're experts mm. in shoulder mobility. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you need to slow down. You need mm -hmm. to do this. And I'm like, okay, like, I mean, I'm not going to be stupid with it. I'm not like going and doing like overhead presses or anything, but I also am like, I'm fit and I'm healthy and I yeah. have a really good immune response. And I'm going to like probably try and push the envelope a little bit because I want to keep it mobile. I'm not going to just put it in a fucking sling for weeks. Yeah. So it's you been interesting. Yeah. You got to know your body. And it's, it totally. is weird. I remember when my neck thing happened, I got a lot of people saying, totally. guessing. And I was like, actually, I got an MRI. I know exactly what it is. So. Right. But thank you. Like, and, and I always am like, yeah, it's, it, it comes from a place of like having a good intention. And I always really appreciate that. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, your own body first. So yeah, it's my first like major injury as an adult. But. I think, I think it's amazing. You just have like, <laughs> I really think that maybe you're made of metal and something. Like, like, I don't know, you know, when you rip off a lizard's tail and it just grows back, I think you have that kind of regeneration <laughs> power. I was like, gonna, I was like this bitch gets his first injury and she's already fine. I was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm just falling apart at this point. You're like, you just glue it back with collagen. <laughs> I mean, isn't like, that how it works? You just take enough collagen <laughs> and then it just goes right to the area and glues that shit back together. I mean, I don't know uh, if it was, well, here's the thing. If it was like, it continued to persist and not get better. Of course yeah. I would go to the doctor. I would get imaging. I would do all the like. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. There's no issues. I mean, what's really weird is it feels like it might pop it back out, but anyway, mm -hmm. back to healing. Yeah. We're on so, the mend. I love it. I love it. And okay. So yeah, let's just talk about this physical healing, healing the heart. Yeah. Some things just take longer, they right? Do. Like if you had torn a tendon, that shit takes a long time. It takes longer than a bone. And I was, you know, this was such a great topic when she messaged because she goes, it's been since October. And I was like, I don't want to tell you, but it took me like three years. And, and even then it's healing isn't linear, right? So you too might find as you're going through your process, one day you feel really good. And then one day you're a little more stiff, you yep. know? And I think that it's really important. So even this morning I was, I was, my mom was really having a rough, rough morning and she was crying and she's like, I don't want to be an invalid. And so if you don't know, 
uh, I don't, I haven't talked about it too much, but her tumor was growing back with a cyst in her brain. So she started radiation and she did five treatments and she's really declined as far as her physical, um, like the tumors on her left side. So her right arm isn't really working and she's struggling with her language and getting her words out and saying what she needs to say. And so I've been having to help her get dressed in the morning and help her put on her clothes because she can't really get her arm to move. And so she's obviously really frustrated. And she sat on the couch today and she goes, I've given it too much time already. I've already spent it. And I go, it's, she goes, it's been five months. And I go, mom, remember when I was paralyzed, it took me a year. And I, and I said, you know, with brain and spine and those kind of things, it can take multiple years. I mean, I've seen people, we've all seen people who've been paralyzed, spinal cord injury, they end up walking five years later. So it's so common for us to be so impatient in the healing process. She's like, it's been five months, like I'm over it. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you're over it, but it may take you one year, two years, three years to get back. And with a broken heart, this is Mm -hmm. what's really difficult with breakups is we don't see the wound. We don't see it's hard to say how long does it take a heart to heal, you know, because we're not looking at, okay, it takes six to eight weeks to heal a broken bone. Well, how long does it take a motherfucking heartbreak to heal? I don't Mm -hmm. know. I think it depends on so many things. It really does. And I think back to what you said about like being impatient is it's not fun. Like that's the thing is and any sort of pain, right? If you're physical pain, emotional pain, you just want to be there, you know? And so one of the things that I took a lot of solace in when I was going through my uh, separation and divorce, I took a lot of solace in knowing that at some point I was going to heal, you know, like, and I, cause I had had experienced that in other times, whether it wasn't, it wasn't about my marriage, but it was other relationships or other sort of emotional losses or, and I, so I took solace and knowing that at some point it would be okay. And it was, and it's, it's weird. Like, did you have that moment where you woke up one day and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about my ex today. Like, yeah. or I haven't thought about him a couple of days or I haven't thought of him at a day. Like, I think, you know, once you get to that point, you're like, okay, yeah, it is getting better. But to your point, sometimes, and this is what I found, especially with emotional stuff and relationship stuff is that you're good. And then all of a sudden, maybe is something you see reminds you of that person or in a place that reminds you, you hear a song that reminds you, or you have a, you smell something that reminds you of that person. And it pulls you right back to that moment. And, you know, I know you and I have talked about that a lot is, you know, having sort of what we call like maybe rejection trauma, or even like a PTSD after you go through, especially infidelity, because I think there's a lot, it it turns it personal, right? It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Otherwise, if I was, this person would have cheated, et cetera. So there's a lot of like that sort of um, not good enough, that ripple effect that comes up like years later, even. And so I think in terms of maybe acute emotional stress, everyone's a little bit different, but for me, it probably took me about a year and a half, Mm -hmm. like of solid sort of like working on things. And and then at some point I just kind of decided I didn't want to stay mired in the negative emotions that I had. I had a lot of sort of uh, self-righteousness and um, a lot of stubbornness and a lot of like sort of negative um, like talk about my ex. And I think I needed to do that. Call up my girlfriend, call up Danny and just be like, Hey, can you know, you hold it down while I just vent about this person and be so fucking just base level right now. And I think, but at some point I decided I didn't want to live in that space anymore. It felt good. And my girlfriends always affirmed my hurt and my pain. Um, like, but at some point I decided that I just didn't want to be in that space anymore. And it doesn't mean that it never comes up again. Like every once in a while, I'm like this motherfucker, like you just see things where you're like, ah, eh. but for the most part, there are good feelings there now. 
Yeah, I think that healing that way similarly works with the body too. You know, when I was paralyzed, I went through the the grieving, kind of like the grieving of our loss of our marriage or whatever that looks yeah. like. Um, but then also were days where I would go by and I go, oh, I haven't been in so much pain today. Oh, I haven't needed, you know, pain pills, you know, six times a day, then there'd be times like in the future where suddenly I would have like a twinge or an ache or realize, ah, I still can't do that. And I will say for any of this healing, things will never be the same, right? You are not the same person anymore. Um, the person you were before the heartache, the injury, you're not going to be the same. You may do things different. You know, maybe you're going to walk different. You're limping now. Maybe you're going to go into a new relationship with eyes more open. Maybe you're going to avoid certain tree areas, <laughs> like whatever, you're going to do something different. You're not going to be the same. And part of healing is recognizing those things, um, but also just giving yourself time. And I think that is the thing is we don't, we want to just get over it. We're just like, I'm done with this. I, I hate this feeling, mm. but we, I think if you look back, like I'm sure this woman, she said since October, I'm sure how you felt in October, you have to feel somewhat better now by this time, right? Yep. Not completely healed. I, I would say for me, it took about two and a half years. And honestly, it was the last real piece for me was around rhythmia. And I kind of got some epiphanies around why things happened. And um, I think that, especially when it comes to heartbreak or loss, that you have to find some resolution as to like your new life going forward. So maybe this is heartbreak because you lost someone permanently, they passed away. And I think that we don't necessarily ever get over that, but you do get to a place where you're not crying every day, where you're not seeing the loss every day, where maybe you start to remember the good things and remember the good stories and memories of the person and the, the pain is no longer driving the ship anymore. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important to note that time will heal, but also doing the work on yourself, going to therapy or talking to your girlfriends or going to physical therapy or whatever it is, there has to be some kind of movement forward because things don't necessarily, I don't believe that time necessarily just heals, you know, like, like Jill said, she's doing PT for her arm and she's doing some things to help it. Sure. It might get better if she didn't do that, but it's going to take longer and it's not going to look the same. So I, I really feel like if we don't even address emotional things, time will eventually, we're not going to let it run our lives, but you're still going to have stuff that really comes up later if you don't do the quote therapy and work on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, uh, well, I completely agree with that. And I think oftentimes the actual, like moving on to a different life happens pretty fast, you know, for me leaving the marriage and, you know, across the country for you kind of leaving your relationship and moving to Los Angeles. I remember in 2015, early 2015, when we were starting to go through some of our stuff, I knew about the affair, but, um, we hadn't decided that we were going to split yet. I moved to Australia for a month. And I remember by the end of that month and I was there by myself, I was alone. I had met a lot of people. I had, you know, gotten some friends and stuff. I remember even having like, they had a going away party for me. And I remember thinking to myself, like I could live here. So I think the physically moving on to having a different life, I think we've talked about this before, where if you are in a relationship with someone for a long time, or you're married or you're cohabitating, the like every day just starts to feel different. Like you had someone who you just always talked about your stuff. You always texted, you always talked to like you, everyone you were, you were literally living a life together. And then when you're not there anymore, the like establishment of the new life happens fairly quickly. Like I did it within a month. Like when I was in Australia, I could have like just kept living there. I think the thing that oftentimes we grieve the most 
is not the day-to-day, it's the potential for what it could have been. Mm. And I love that Christina Rasmussen calls this invisible losses. So the invisible loss of like, ah, there was so much potential there. And we know from like even studies that they show that the pain of loss is so much greater. It feels so much greater than the potential for gain. So while Danny and I can sit here and go, well, think about it, all the amazing things you can do. And like, now you get to go and date and you get to meet new people and you get to create your life over again. You get to live in a new place or whatever. All of that is exciting, but it's never as powerful in our minds as the loss that we feel because the loss that we feel was familiar. We knew that we knew that that was, so this is why people obviously on oftentimes stay in relationships that are not good because it's familiar. So they go, even though I know it's miserable here, even though I know it's not what it could be, at least it's familiar. And the unknown, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's even scarier. And so I want to commend you for making the jump. And I think like Danny said, yes, it's time plus action of some sort, you know? And so I don't know what were some of the actions that you took when you were going through your divorce and separation? Yeah. I started, you know, speaking about starting over and like the steps to start over. And one of the first things I, one of the first steps I say is find something you is basically three C's. The first one is control. So to find something you can control, because when you are in the middle of, let's say you my mom had a brain tumor. She couldn't control that. There was nothing she could do. So it feels like you're stripped of control in some way. My ex had an affair. I couldn't control that. I got stripped of something that I could do something about. So you need to find something that you can do something about to help you feel more in control. Cause in all these life circumstances, you feel completely out of control. So this is really, really small, but for me, it was I started, when I found out about the affair, I really just wanted to stay in bed all day, cry, feel bad for myself, not get out of bed. But I made myself get up, get dressed, do my hair and my makeup. And my, this is a big deal because before this, I wasn't even doing that. I'd like stay in my pajamas all day. I mean, I work from home so I could sleep in the same clothes, wear the same clothes that I went to bed in for like three or four days. So for me, it was like, I don't know why my mind went there, but I felt like I just had to make myself get up get dressed, do my hair, do my makeup. I wasn't seeing anybody, but it was for me to feel good about myself. Even though I was literally, as soon as I put on mascara, I was crying it off, but I did that over and over and over because it was, I literally felt like the only thing I could control was getting up and getting dressed. And so it could be so small like that. It could be making a phone call to someone, just doing something that you can control. So, you know, injuries and illnesses, what can you do? Cause it, we get so focused on what we can't do or what happened Mm -hmm. to us and how we couldn't do anything about it. So I really think the first thing is finding something you can control. And then the second thing is building confidence. So we lose our confidence. You know, Mm. that was, if someone did betrayed you, you feel like you were ugly, you were the bad wife, you were whatever you were and you lose your confidence, even for you, possibly going back to snowboarding, like you get an injury. If I, there's been a couple of times I fall and the rest of the day, my confidence is shaken. I'm like, I'm not going to go down that. I'm going to go down something easy because I'm so scared of falling. Like we can lose our confidence so quickly. So confidence, I think comes from the consistency of the things you can control. So I'm getting up every single day, doing my hair, doing my makeup every single day. I start to get more confident in myself. You're I start going down an easier hill. I start to get more confidence and then I could try something harder again. You know, you start, I started walking again without a walker and I started to get more confident. And then I started trying to do something like jogging or going upstairs without holding onto railings or something. So finding your confidence, 
And then the last thing is celebrate. So I think it's important to celebrate the small little wins. Like literally today, I'm not going to celebrate getting up and getting dressed because that's an expectation. But at the time I had to celebrate those little things because it was what was getting me through. So those are like three things that I really felt helped me start the healing process and get through it and gave me something to focus on rather than focusing on all of the shit that was happening. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I think that both of us sort of default to action. I think one of the, and they've shown this in like studies that the fastest way to start moving yourself emotionally is to move physically. And I don't mean working out. I mean like your environment. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that really helped me was just literally being in a new environment. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's possible for everyone, especially if you have kids in school and stuff like that, maybe you can't like physically move to another town, but for Danny and I, we both literally took ourselves out of, cause I know if for me, you know, all of the sort of quote, bad stuff in my relationship happened in North Carolina. So I would be driving around town and be like, oh, that's a place. That's a place. Like you just are constantly reminded of your old life. And in order to create a new life that looks different, you need to sort of take yourself out of that space, at least for a while. So even if you can't move somewhere else, can you take a vacation? Can you take a week for yourself and go somewhere? Can you go stay with friends? Can you even uh, get an Airbnb once a month for like a couple of days, just to like take yourself out of that space. I think for me moving to a new city, I was like, all right, like there are no reminders of my marriage here. And same thing for you. It's like completely different. And so it almost just forces you to become someone different when now I'm here. I'm like, I got to learn. I got to meet new people. I got to go to a different gym. I got to eat at different restaurants. I got to, you know what I mean? I got to take different walks every day. And I think some of that starts to accelerate the process. So if you are feeling just really mired and not knowing, and that's the thing that's the shittiest is you go, I just like feel like this and I just want this to be over. I know it will be over at some point. How can I hasten the process? And I, I don't know that there's a way, there's a turnkey way to do that, but I think taking one small action. The other one, the other thing I did was I went to talk therapy. And so I don't know, there's all obviously different, all different kinds of either talk therapy or hypnotherapy or body work or ways to start to work some of those things out. You might just have to go and pay someone an hour to just be able to talk about your shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that that while it's more just, that's a lot of processing, at least you're sort of looking down on yourself, seeing yourself do something in the name of your future and the name of the person now that you want to be outside of that relationship. And then also just doing self-awareness work. I think oftentimes when we're in long-term relationships, we don't really know who we are outside of that relationship. So asking yourself, and I know this is such a small sort of thing, but I remember when I moved to LA, I was like, I literally started like dressing differently. I was just like, okay, I'm just like gonna be a little different. I started like getting a little more decked. I started, cause I used to just like live in Lululemon. And of course I still love like workout gear, but I remember just being like, cool. I'm gonna like buy some heels. I'm gonna like wear a dress. I'm gonna like go on dates and like, And I started just dressing differently even to kind of feel like, okay, this, what is my style outside of married wife, right? Like what's my style? What's my style outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina? And so I think a lot of those small things that we don't think about is really helps you just with the self-awareness piece and realizing, okay, who am I outside of this relationship and really owning it? Because sometimes we don't ask ourselves that question. We just end up being someone who is married or in a long-term relationship or living somewhere and then it's kind of a nice thing to be able to go back and figure that stuff out. 
I really like that. I like your environment tip. And even if you can't leave, and like you said, uh, Airbnbs or something, even just changing the gym you go to, changing your mm-hmm. routines could help. Totally. I think I left and I remember going back to Utah where it all happened, maybe six, eight months later. And I drove through this intersection and I just lost it. I mean, it was so triggering for me, just remembering driving through these streets and, and I was crying and so lost. And so i found that leaving that environment really did help. And it held a lot of emotional triggers for me, just the the area. And then also a note on healing was a little bit later, maybe another year later, driving through and just having no feelings whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, when you start to be able to, you know, when you are healing, when you were able to think about things that you used to cry about, or you can go through an area and not have that emotional hijack anymore. So I think it's just important to acknowledge and celebrate those little wins too of going, oh, I haven't cried in five days or I haven't, I didn't feel anxious when I saw his face or when I went to the school to pick up my kids or whatever, whatever the trigger is for you. Uh, And also just like managing your expectations. So this woman said it's been since October, which is what, six months, Yeah. Um, you know, five, six months. And, you know, I don't want to say that it needs to be years, but like it typically probably will be, I think, you know, from basically our experiences, plus our, you know, girlfriend's experiences and other people we talk to, it's not six months. You know, so I think like anything, you want to lose weight, you want to, I mean, anything you want to do that may, and you want to build your business, like anything you want to do that is going to be sort of a, a long tail life-changing thing. It's probably going to take a little bit longer. So I would say, you know, like, it, it sounds like you're not quite out of the weeds yet, but you will. And like Danny said, celebrating the wins along the way, but I think also manage your expectations and not putting so much pressure on yourself to be over it. I think that was a big thing too. You and I, we, we had a lot of moments where we had to have compassion for ourselves and be like, look, we never fucking did this shit before. I know we talked about that a lot, especially when we were dating and we were drinking and we were going out a lot. I was like, what the, f- what else we are literally, our mantra was what else, what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> what else are you supposed to do? Like you're just doing your best. So I think removing the self-judgment also happens. We had a lot of moments where we're like, well, this just is what it is for right now. It is what it is for right now. And then trust that at some point it's not going to be that, and you know, and we're not that anymore, right? We're in like long-term relationships and we're like a lot healthier. So I think, you know, give yourself plenty of grace as you're going through this and don't expect for it to be two months, six months, even a year. Now, if you still feel the same way you did at the very beginning, five years later, cool. Maybe you want to like seek out some help and really kind of work through some stuff and get some more movement. But I would say, you know, it's going to be a little bit longer. Yep. And you know, I didn't want to say a time frame because it did for me take about two or three years. However, I remember going through my adrenal fatigue healing and I felt the same mm-hmm. urgency and the same way of just, I want to be able to lose weight again. I don't want to feel crappy anymore. And I had heard someone say about two years and I was like, I don't have two years. Well, guess what? It took me about two years and the time passed anyway. And mm-hmm. as soon as I stopped being so urgent about it, it mm-hmm. started to happen quicker. I just felt like I should be done in six months. And I feel like for whatever reason, we feel like six months should be the time to, you know, here's my mom, she's five months Mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm done. And this is about six months for her. It's like, I don't know what it is about six months, but you have to really just allow yourself. It may not take two years. It may only take a year, but you just have to let go of the time frame expectation. Like Jill said, Um, and there's just, we just, nobody wants to sit in it, but I think 
sitting in it honestly is what will help you get through it faster. Yeah, you have to feel it for sure. I think, you know, there's a lot of sort of escape routes that we can take. We can certainly just start dating someone new. And how many people do we know who do that? And that's, I'm not like judging that necessarily. I just don't know that if you don't take the time to heal, like you're doing, like sitting in the shit and feeling all of the feels, I don't know that just replacing one partner with another partner without doing some internal work really is getting to the underlying issue. I think we can just end up projecting a lot of the same things onto the new partner. Um, and not everyone, you know, we certainly have friends of ours that just like went from one relationship into the next and they're great and, and everything works out. But um, I think you're doing the right thing in terms of sitting with it, feeling all the feels, allowing yourself to really mourn and to really grieve. Um, and I think you'll move through it a lot faster that way than just like picking some sort of escape route and doing that. Yep. I heard this one, uh, saying, feel it to heal it. And I think there's something mm. to that. So mm -hmm. I think you got to do it. It's uncomfortable. We don't love it, but yeah. But. Anyway, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. Uh, how long did it take you to get over your shit? I, you know, the, the last thing is if, if it was a three week, if it was a non-relationship, and it took, takes you two years. Right. Yes. No, remember we I had someone, I think someone asked us that one time was like, you know, I was dating someone for a month or something. Like it was basically like we were dating for like a month and I'm still like not here. It was like six months later. I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'll just quote sex in the city. It takes exactly half the time from Charlotte, exactly half the time that you were dating to get over them. There we go. There's the formula. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true either. Yeah. It could be pretty close though. But anyway, we love you guys. Thanks you for the DM. We like these kind of things that we can really dial in and have conversations on. And it's just applicable in so many ways. So we'd love to hear in the Facebook group if you go to the bestlifepodcast.com. Also, we have a program called the Happiness Diet. If you go to the happinessdiet.com, Jill and I basically wrote two separate programs. And to be honest, these that program specifically, I think would help a lot. It is really walking through. Um, I know Jill started writing it right after her breakup. I created my portion of right after mine, and it's dealing with the spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, all of the aspects and all of the healing. And it gives you so many tools to really look at yourself, to ask yourself the questions. If you don't know what kind of questions to ask, uh, check it out. It's super affordable. It's life-changing and I don't know, we made it. So it's good. Yeah, it is amazing. If you guys are like, honestly, I did write my whole course, like literally right after I left, I was super clear on like exactly who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And, you know, I still refer people to this program. So the happiness diet.com, make sure you guys go check it out. It is, it honestly is like the most affordable therapy you can do for yourself. So go ahead and get it and let us know if you guys have any questions and we can't wait to hear how you do. See you on the next episode. Bye.